morning. It is good to be with you. My name's Duncan. I'm one of the leaders here at City Church. If you don't know me, uh, just to let you know who I am. And today, as was read, we're in 2 Corinthians. We're continuing this series in 2 Corinthians. So please do keep your Bible open as we go through our passage together. But as we go through and before we go through, let me pray for us as we come to our passage. Loving Father, thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the truth of your word. And I pray now that as we come uh, to your word, I pray Loving that Father, you thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the truth through your word that we might know you more fully. And I pray in particular uh, for those who are right now in, in the midst of suffering. I pray that as we consider uh, this passage your word to us that you would comfort those who are in the midst of suffering that they might be assured and brought confidence in their faith in you today as we hear from you in your name i pray amen a while ago i heard a story of a woman called florence chadwick she was a long distance swimmer and she was the first woman to actually swim the english channel in both directions at the age of 34, her goal was to become the first woman to swim from Catalina Island in the Pacific Ocean to the California coast. On the 4th of July, 1952, Chadwick attempted to become the first woman to swim 21 miles across the Catalina Channel from the Catalina Island to the California coast. The ocean that day was ice cold. The fog was so thick that she could hardly see her support boats that followed her and sharks prowled around her. Several times her support crew used their rifles to actually drive the sharks away. Her mother and her trainer who were in one of the support boats encouraged her to keep going. However, after 15 hours and 55 minutes, she felt that she could not go on and asked to be taken into one of the support boats. And on entering the support boat, she found out she was only half a mile away from the coast, half a mile. While being interviewed later, she said this. She said, look, I'm not excusing myself. But if I could have seen land, I know I could have made it. You see, all she could see was fog. I wonder whether you have had moments like this, not doing a long distance swim, obviously, but rather facing the difficulties and hardships in your life. Seasons of suffering in which you struggle to see anything before you apart from the situation you are in. Moments in which you question whether you can go on, whether you can keep going. Wondering whether your faith can sustain you, whether it really is going to be worth it. I'm mindful that for some of us right now, as you watch this, this is your experience. Right now you are struggling, you are fighting to see how God could ever use your experience, your suffering for good. You are fighting to keep going. 
Paul writes here a word of encouragement, a word of assurance to help us to understand the way in which Christians should deal with suffering. When it feels as though we are engulfed in fog, when we feel overwhelmed by the pain and grief, how can we be assured? How can we remain confident in our faith? How can we make it to the end? Paul realizes the pain and sorrows that we face in this life. Paul knows how hard and difficult it is living in a broken world. Paul knows what it's like. He knows this experience all too well. He himself has felt the weight of suffering. He himself has felt the weight of persecution. He knows the types of questions that come flooding in. Is it truly worth it? Can I keep going? What is God doing? What we are going to be encouraged in and by in our time is that there is assurance in our hardship. There is assurance in our faith and there is insurance in our future. There is assurance in our hardships. In these opening verses, we see this picture of how we should consider our lives. Paul wants us to see who we are and who God is. Look at verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Too often when we consider the suffering of this life, the suffering we experience, our perspective is not a gospel perspective. It is a view that something is wrong, that we should not need or have to face suffering in this life. We can question who God is. We can question his purposes for us. And what Paul is doing is seeking to help to see how we rightly should view ourselves in light of our suffering. That for the believer, for the Christian, suffering is not seen and should not be viewed as odd or unusual, but rather normative. Paul knows what it is to be afflicted, to be perplexed, to be persecuted, to be struck down. Paul knows the frailty of his own body, his own flesh. And this is why he describes our body as a jar of clay. A jar that is so fragile, so temporary. Because as he does this, he is wanting us to see the contrast of what true ministers of the gospel realize. How believers should see themselves. He begins by expressing, but we. What he is doing is he is expressing that there is a contrast happening. There is a contrast he is drawing our attention toward. A contrast between himself and those false teachers that we were hearing about and have been hearing about. That they are so focused on building their own name. That they are so focused upon acting as though they are superior to those around them. And Paul wants us to see that that is not the pattern of the gospel. That is not the pattern of the Christian. How easy would it have been for him to say, do you know who I am? I am Paul. 
I have seen the risen Christ. Jesus himself has given me this ministry. Do you know the amount of churches I have helped plant? Do you know how many people have come to faith through my ministry? Do you realize who you're dealing with? How easy would it have been Paul for Paul to seek to quiet these false teachers through playing their game, through building himself up? But that is not what Paul does, because that isn't the pattern of the gospel. Instead, he describes himself as a jar of clay, an insignificant, cheap, fragile, temporary jar. That the gospel we hold to does not call us toward earthly strength, but rather toward a recognition of our weakness. Because it is only when we acknowledge that we are weak that the Lord himself becomes the one we rely on. Paul has walked this road. Do you remember back in chapter one, what he expresses? He says this, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received a sentence of death. Paul knows that it is not about trying to be strong in yourself. It's not about feeling as though you need to just dig deep to get through your suffering. Back in chapter one, he expresses the purpose of what he went through, that it was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. You see, brother, sister in Christ, right now you may be suffering. And if you're not suffering, you will. That's not me trying to be, you know, depressing. That's reality, that you will suffer if you're not suffering right now. And what you and I need to realize and acknowledge is we will only make it, not through our ability to fix it, not through us seeking to sort the situation we are in, not through just trying to find strength within, but rather upon our complete reliance that we fall into the caring arms of our Father, that we do not have to be working up in ourselves the way forward. That we have not been saved just for salvation itself, but rather the one who has saved us desires to help us in and through our suffering. That Paul longs for us to see that suffering for the Christian cannot and will not overcome us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. What assurance for us that you may not understand, you may feel completely at the end of yourself, but you will not be crushed, you will not be driven to despair, you will not be forsaken, you will not be destroyed. There might be moments where you feel, I feel pretty crushed right now. I feel utter despair, but that is not ultimate. If you know and love Jesus as Lord and Savior, it is in these moments, 
It is in these times you will experience his hand at work. Our gospel is one that displays strength in weakness. That goes against the way in which the world around us lives and operates. That we taste death and we experience life. That when you feel the weight of your weakness, the weight of your suffering, when you consider you are unable to do it alone, that is exactly where you need to be. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. The treasure that is within every Christian is the life of Jesus. It is that through the Holy Spirit, Jesus' life is made known and experienced in the midst of our suffering. That it is in the place of suffering, his grace comes flooding in to strengthen us in our weariness, to strengthen us in our weakness, so that we are able to declare with complete, confident assurance with Paul, we are afflicted in every way, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but we are not forsaken. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. What will prevent us from knowing this, from experiencing this, is reliance upon ourselves, is continually resisting and refusing to grab hold of the power that has been given to you through Jesus' life. Brother, sister, I know that for some of you right now, for some of you hearing this, this is a struggle that you face. You struggle to let go. You struggle to lay down the control and authority over your life. And when suffering comes your way, your response is to fight. Not in the power of the life of Jesus that is within you, but in your own power, in your own strength. I know this all too well because this is me. This is how I can respond. How freeing is this, though? Jesus has not called you to bear it. He has not desired you to find your own way forward. Think about Ezra, my son. So Ezra is at that age, that stage where he pulls himself onto furniture and he can stand. He's, he's somewhat stable, but still a bit shaky. He can't stand on his own. And he pulls himself up and he can move around. And something that he enjoys to do now is he'll go to the bottom of our bookcase and his books are there and he'll grab a book and he'll drag it with all his you'd think it was weighing a ton the way in which he wrestles with these books and and he brings it over to you and I'm there sat down and and he comes to my seat and he he drags himself up and then he tries to pull the book up but drops the book and and he then points to me he then points to me because he knows that what he wants is for me to scoop him up, to pick him up, to get the book up and put him on my knee and to read the book with him. But he is helpless without me. As much as he tries, he can't do it. 
he can struggle all day, but he won't be able to lift himself up and he won't be able to lift the book up with him. And the thing is, I feel that this is a, a good picture for us, that we kind of need to be like him, that he realizes he can't do it on his own. He realizes without me stepping in, coming down, picking him up, he can't do it. And this is what Paul is trying to help us to see, that Jesus is there ready and willing to step in. Jesus is saying to you, do you not realize my life, death and resurrection was for your salvation? Yes, but it was for much more than that. That Jesus longs that you would give up your control, your self-reliance. That you would know that you are no longer dead, but rather the spirit of the life of Christ reigns within you. And it is in that power of his life within us that we can continue on and face the hardships of this life. That you will make it through. This is our assurance in our hardships. That though we will suffer, his life-giving power is sufficient for us. But we also have assurance in our faith. That when we experience the brokenness around us, the brokenness of our own flesh, we are assured in our faith. Look at verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. Paul quotes here directly from Psalm 116 as Mark shared earlier and it's the psalm of David and as Mark said he is going through a time of suffering he is facing hardship because for God's people suffering has always been part of human experience in a broken world. David a man of faith is an example to us that in the face of suffering he persevered he kept believing he kept the faith Paul is encouraging us to look and know that this is not new for God's people. I know in the midst of suffering, you can feel as though you are alone, as though it is only you who are facing suffering like this, as though your situation is different from every other Christian experience, but that is not the case. Paul encourages us to realize that this has been and will continue to be the pattern of people who have placed their faith in Jesus. As David looked toward the Messiah, he in his suffering proclaims, I believe. I believe and so I spoke. That suffering will not allow him to lose sight of his belief. The fog of suffering will not let him lose sight of his faith. Just as he perseveres, so does Paul. So have countless men and women throughout human history who have gone before us, that they are an example and encouragement to us. Brother, sister, this is but our time, our moment to take hold of the gospel we have believed in, to continue to proclaim the glories of Christ to those around us with utter confidence, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. 
when we consider our faith, we consider the one who has gone before us, the one who also suffered, the one who faced hardship, the one who is our example and our only hope, that as Jesus himself was raised, so we will be raised. That the faith we have is a faith based not only upon Jesus' death, but rather upon his life. That though Jesus' death is central to our faith, his life is crucial. If you even study the book of Acts, though the cross is important, and obviously we need to know that, the emphasis is upon his resurrection. The push is towards his resurrection, that death itself did not hold him, that his suffering came to an end. And the life he lives, he now sustains us with through the work of the Spirit. We do not let our eyes be so captured by our circumstances that we lose sight of Jesus, the risen reigning King of kings and Lord of lords. Because we can have confidence in our faith, assurance in our faith, knowing that there is no glory without suffering. That this is the pattern, this is the norm of the Christian life. You may have dark days to come. You may be right now walking through the darkest of days. But do not lose sight of Jesus. Do not let your gaze be drawn elsewhere. Allow the founder and perfecter of your faith to be sweet assurance that though he faced the darkest day in human history, though he faced all that Satan could throw at him, that on that day it did not finish him, but rather he declared it is finished. And now we look to the one who is risen the one who is reigning. This is whom we believe in. This is whom we speak of what a beautiful and glorious thing that it is, that even through our suffering, he continues to work. Verse 15, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Paul wants to be clear. That to remain faithful in suffering means, is a means by which God's grace is extended. It is a means by which the gospel continues to go out through faithful men and women who believe, who remain faithful in their suffering. More and more people come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. There is a phrase that I uh, use quite a bit and continue to use, and it is that the gospel sends us outward. The gospel never drives us toward ourselves, our own interests, but rather it calls us towards Jesus, it calls us towards others. The gospel shapes us in a way that transforms our selfish hearts into hearts that are other person-centered. That Paul, in and through his suffering, longs for that others might come to know Jesus Christ. Paul, in and through his suffering, longs that others might continue to come to him. Paul isn't wanting to feel sorry for himself, but rather he is longing for others to see the beauty and glory of Christ Jesus. To live like this, 
To live in such a way is only in the power of Jesus' life within us. That we will never be able to point to Jesus in our suffering unless we are assured in our faith. Knowing Jesus is our example. Jesus shows us the path. That even in the most excruciating point, Jesus' words are words of grace. As he hung on the cross, he declares and cries out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Do you hear these words? Jesus hanging there, watching his blood drip from his body, feeling the overwhelming pain physically from being crucified. Feeling the overwhelming pain spiritually, watching such evil take place before him. And instead of self-pity, instead of rescuing himself, instead of wanting death upon those who are mocking him, death upon those who are killing him, he cries out, Father, forgive them. Even in our suffering, the Lord Jesus can be honoured and lifted high. In our suffering, our call is to continue to be assured of our faith, to continue to believe, rejoicing in those who would come to know his grace for themselves, knowing that he will receive the glory he deserves. Brother, sister, be assured in your faith. And finally, see the assurance in our future. Verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. In our world, in our own personal experience, we struggle not to buy into the world around us, to operate like they do. That our neighbors, our colleagues, our family members, our friends, they're not living for what is to come, but rather they're living for this moment. They're living for the things of this world. Whether it's money, sex, relationships, whether it's success or experiences, whatever it is, it is not their true purpose. It is not what will truly satisfy them. And yet how often I can feel myself being drawn into this way of thinking, being sucked into this sort of mindset, into the same way of living my life. Because it can be easy for us to look like them. To say that we are Christians, but really not see much of a distinction in our lives. It can be easy for us to live in a way that does not truly express and display our true hope. I want to share a quote with you that I've shared before, uh, but I love this quote. It's been a quote that has stuck with me since I read it. And it's from Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper. Personally, my favorite book outside the Bible, but there you go. And you may have heard it before, but listen to these words. When was the last time someone asked you about the reason for the hope that is in you? 
That's what Peter said we should always be ready to give an answer for. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Why don't people ask us about our hope? The answer is probably that we look as if we hope in the same things they do. Our lives don't look like they are on the Calvary Road, stripped down for sacrificial love, serving others with the sweet assurance that we don't need to be rewarded in this life. Our reward is great in heaven. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. If we believe this more deeply, others might see the worth of God and find in him their gladness. What Paul, what John Piper and all of scripture is seeking to help us to see is where are we placing our true hope? Where are you all in? What would people around us say is clearly the most significant, important thing in our life? As Paul writes, he's seeking to grab hold of us and point us toward this hope. He describes how we should consider our suffering as Christians, light and momentary. That shouldn't sit easy with you. If you're suffering or you have faced suffering, that shouldn't be just something that you think, oh yeah, that's encouraging. Because if someone came to you in the midst of your suffering, in, in that kind of despair and, and, and unable to see anything before you, and someone said, oh, that's light and momentary. I'm not sure you'd think, oh, that's encouraging. But what Paul wants us to ask is how? How can we truly see the suffering we face as light and momentary? How can we in and through the darkest day know that we will see it as light and momentary? And the answer Paul gives is we need to constantly strain beyond. We need to strain beyond the pain we are feeling and experiencing. We need to strain beyond the suffering and the situation we are in. We need to see our life through the lens of eternity. We do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting our way, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing Though for our outer us self an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Day by day. As we look to the things, not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Our hope, brother, sister, is in what is to come. Our confidence is in what is to come. Our making it to the end is keeping our eyes fixed on realizing what is to come. To know that beyond the cross is a grave and beyond the grave is an empty tomb and beyond the empty tomb is our savior risen and reigning arms outstretched to welcome us home, to speak and to declare, well done, good and faithful servant. Brother, sister in Christ, we need to be so captured by our eternal reality. 
You need to know that there will be a day when all you have gone through will not compare, will not begin to touch upon the weight of our eternal glory. That nothing will compare to that. And we will not question, we will not wonder, was it worth it? No, we will rejoice and worship our Saviour forever. There will not be a doubt in our minds. Florence Chadwick, two months later, two months after her failed attempt, tried again. The water that day was just as cold. The fog was just as dense. The sharks were still prowling around her. But this time she made it. After 13 hours, 47 minutes and 55 seconds, she reached the California shore, breaking a 27-year-old record by more than two hours and becoming the first woman ever to complete the swim. Afterward, she said this, that as she was swimming, she kept a mental image of the shoreline in her mind. That this image was what helped her to finish her race. This image was what she needed to keep in mind even when the fog was so thick around her. No matter the suffering that might come your way in life, brother, sister, keep your eyes upon the shoreline. Know that in the midst of your suffering, there is a glory that awaits you. There is a home that you long for. Do not be blinded to this reality. Be assured in your hardships, in your faith, and in your future, knowing that through the power within you, you will make it to the end. Let me end with these lyrics. The night is dark, but I am not forsaken, for by my side to Saviour he will stay. I labour on in weakness and rejoicing, for in my need his power is displayed. To this I hold, my shepherd will defend me, through the deepest valley he will lead. Oh, the night has been won, and I shall overcome. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. Let me pray. Loving Father, I thank you so much that you have not just saved us and left us to our own devices. I thank you so much that you have given us your Holy Spirit. That in the darkest of days we are not alone but the life of Christ reigns within in us by your spirit. And I pray, I pray for every person listening, for everyone who is watching, for my brothers and sisters, that they would know that you are with them, that they are not alone, that they do not need to fear what is ahead of them, that they can rest in your caring arms, knowing that one day they will experience the full weight of your glory, and forevermore worship you. We thank you and we praise you in your beautiful name. Amen.
Amen.